It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Challenging, thought provoking. Insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics, hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Hello, 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 hello. Hey, folks, this is Ninja Pastor, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener, and it's uh, so awesome, so awesome to have you. Uh, I hope that you all are doing well. I hope that the folks that are uh, in a serious jam uh, with with the snow, uh, good lands, I'm, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. It's really, really something. It's, it's nature, uh, nature and nature's God. And uh, for me personally, um, I have to tell you, I am, uh, look, I'd rather it be raining. I know that sounds bad. Uh, no offense, but as my father used to say, rain is a lot easier to shovel than snow. Rain is a lot easier. Hey, thank you, by the way, for joining us on uh, an earlier time. The last two weeks we have done uh, we have done, that sounds bad. We've done, we have done, we've done, we did, uh, an earlier time, an hour earlier. Now, many folks have said that that works better for them. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I don't know that we have enough feedback to make the change permanent, but today, uh, you know, we, we're going to try it again, and we want to accommodate uh, our guests. We have a great guest today. First of all, I want to thank publicly Lynn uh, for all her hard work in making this happen, and Lydia uh, over at uh, Frederick Douglass Republican candidate for mayor of New York City, running against de Blasio. And you know de Blasio's, you know, he, he's full-on, full-on socialist. Uh, he brags about being a communist, but He's a socialist, really. Uh, and so the fact of the matter is, uh, since we announced that we were doing this, oh, back to the the when we're doing the show business. Hey, listen, if you have a feeling on it either way, I'd love it if you'd uh, text me or email me. If you have my number, text me. If you don't have, have my number, uh, shoot me an email at smgreener.com or go to theninjapastor.com. Or no, not smgreener.com, smgreener at gmail.com. But it's probably best if you do it through the website, theninjapastor.com. Go over to contact me and 
shoot me a, a text there and give me your opinion on time. Or if you think I should do it an hour later, instead of starting it at four, uh, starting at five. You know, we've never really considered that go five to seven. I don't know. So whichever, you know, we want to we, we want to put you in a position to be able to listen live. We like that. Uh, our chat room is open. And so we, we really do enjoy uh, having it wide open. And, and it's, it's fun. It really is fun. And so um, it's a lively bunch. Also very clean there. It's no, you know, there's some heated debates, but there's never any uh, disparaging, personally disparaging stuff. We cut that off and we lock you out. First things first, we want to thank Second Call Defense. Um, you know, we're going to talk more about that in a little bit today. But if you go to theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com, down at the bottom, there'll be a red banner, uh, Second Call Defense banner. Click on that and um, you'll, you will automatically receive one month of the best, really, legal protection for armed self-defense in the world. There's no better. I've looked at them all. So do that, theninjapastor.com. Look there. While you're there, you'll get a little pop-up that asks for your name and email uh, if you'd like to have follow-ups and all that done um, and be able to have access to all of our stuff. We'd love to have it. And whenever we have a big announcement or anything like that, you guys are always the one that gets it first. So uh, just put your name, your real name in there. Now, since two Wednesdays ago, we've had thousands of people register on the website. Now, you might think my head would get swell. So that's what we call it back home, swole. You'd think my head would get swole, but it's not because uh, we've done an analysis on it. And we find that we have many, 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 many uh, folks on there who are fraudulent. Uh, and then we trace them. Yeah, I know media matters. You don't think I have the power to do this, but I do. Um, we have traced them to media matters. And so what media matters is trying to do is crash our website. And, uh, so, Hey, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, I guess people told me, I was just given a speech, uh, recently that said, uh, that, you know, you've arrived when media matters starts following you. And I don't know if that's the case. Uh, you know, I do this, I, I don't, I don't get paid to do this. So, uh, you know, we, we fight them wherever we can and it is what it is. Uh, but that's what you have to do. Sending out some quick notes to some folks, uh, whose birthday it is. Uh, I want to quickly address a lot of you are, uh, asking me where is William Federer? Well, William Federer, Bill Federer, great friend of the show, been on several times. Um, great, great guy. Um, he was scheduled to be on today and, <laughs> but you know, uh, his son who has been at in an Africa for one and a half years, hadn't seen him for one and a half years. Um, he is, uh, he just showed up at the door. And so, you know, that's a powerful thing. And he said, man, is there any way, uh, if, if it is a problem, uh, to make it next week, certainly, you know, I will, I will absolutely, you know, be on now, which is very gracious of him. And certainly as being a dad with kids that are far away, I certainly understand that. And man, I don't ever, ever want anybody to feel bad about that. Kids come first. I don't even care, you know, that they're adults. Kids come first. So uh, you folks in chat. Uh, yeah. My buddy Jerry says, how do we crash the Media Matters website? You know, I don't know. I don't know. We've never really tried, but I can tell you this. What's funny to me is I actually took a couple of them using um, resources that I have and found, you know, the, obviously the IP address uh, where they're where they're broadcasting and then found their name and then found their home, found out where they worked and sent messages to all of those. 
just advising them, look, you can play with Media Matters all you want and think you're doing the work of God or some kind of stupid stuff, but I can tell you this. I know who you are. I know where you are. And if you mess with me too much, I just might get mad. So from from my perspective, you know, we'll go about it that way if we want. It uh, does not matter to me. doesn't matter to me. So uh, real quick, I want to uh, just kind of give you the, the deal here on today. Um, we're going to have a, a really awesome guest. Uh, going to really be, I'm so excited. I can't even stand it. Now, I said at the beginning, I'll say it again. And I thought this, and so I'm not throwing rocks at you. I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I just simply didn't believe it was possible uh, to ever have a chance at getting a Republican, much less a Frederick Douglass Republican, because you and I both know that's the best kind of Republican. Um, I never thought there was a chance at all that we could ever get a good Frederick Douglass Republican uh, to be elected in New York City. I mean, we thought it was a lost cause. Well, not so fast. Slow down, slam dancer. I bring you New York City mayoral candidate Michael Faulkner. Now, as I said, he's a Frederick Douglass Republican. We're talking about what that is. And you guys know you've K. Carl's been on the show enough times, and I've talked about it enough times that you by now you sh- should probably know what that is, but that's okay. It's totally okay. We'll go over it. We'll tell you what it is. It's it's not something small. Little things don't mean a lot. Say it with me. Little things mean everything. And so uh, that's a very important designation there, Frederick Douglass Republican. Now, it is inarguable that New York City has been, for as long as I remember, very liberal and very leftist. Now, I've been in New York City many, 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 many times. Uh, so I've, I've experienced it. Uh, but you'd be surprised how much, and I did my research this morning, and I was really surprised at this. Uh, because if you listen to the left and the, and the, the media, which is the same, sorry to be redundant again and again, over and over, repeatedly. Uh, you would think that Donald Trump didn't get one vote, did not get one vote in New York City, but that would be very, very wrong. President Trump, he, President Trump, he did win many votes. Now he didn't win New York City. Let's be honest. But the conventional wisdom that we just concede New York City to the left before even competing for the spot is just no more. Uh, and why is it no more? It's no more because President Trump did a lot better there than uh, anybody ever thought that he could. Uh, or anybody could. He did way better than anybody else ever has. That's number one. And then number two, uh, I have to say, start spreading the news. Uh, Jerry, go on, buddy. <laughs> Jerry is a broadcaster. I need to interview Jerry on here. You guys hear me talk about my, my bud, but uh, he's one of the smartest people I've ever known, one of the best people I've ever known, too. Uh, but the thing is, is look, I, I looked at the data. And I said, whoa, I'm shocked here. I, I never thought New York City ever had any chance of electing a reasonable, knowledgeable, and most importantly, capable mayor until now. Until New York City, and this is so cool to say this, New York City mayoral candidate, Michael Faulkner. Now, you need to understand, and it's very, very important here to understand that, and this brings up consensus thinking, right? Consensus thinking. And that's a myth. We know it's a myth. Consensus thinking is absolutely a myth. Right, so the consensus was we'll never have a shot for that. The consensus was also that um, we'd never have a shot. Donald Trump would never have a shot, and 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 supported by many many things, not the least of which is mainstream media. Uh, really, really was so in the bag for Hillary Clinton. Now they were also so in the bag for uh, Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that this is just who they are. 
this is who they are. They, they, they are the left is the media. The media is the left. Uh, and they are working together in cahoots, as we say, down south. Um, so the 97% consensus myth, you need to understand that there's something to this. Now, put aside the moment that consensus is a political idea, not a scientific one, and then you got to consider this. The consensus for, and this comes from the iPhone conservative, the consensus for much of human history was that the sun revolved around the earth, right? We know this. This is, this is what it says. This is what it says. And, you know, this is, that we know that they believe this because we can read history books. The left hasn't burnt all of them. Now, the consensus for much of the 19th and 20th centuries was that dinosaurs were cold-blooded reptiles and too stupid to survive. Right? This is what, this is what we thought. We, we thought that they were just too stupid to survive, cold-blooded reptiles, and, and they were just dumb, and that's why they didn't make it. Well, here's another consensus. Consensus for the entire 20th century was that peptic ulcers were the result of lifestyle and not an infection by the Heliobacter pylori bacteria. You guys know this, right? One of the only things that will fix uh, peptic ulcers is, um, I'll say their name, why not? Pep Pepto-Bismol, but that's, that's the main brand. But it's, the, uh, it's the, the, the bismuth, the pink bismuth in the bismol uh, that actually helps heal that. So people say you chugging, you can't keep chugging Pepto uh, or, or the bismuth all, all day long. Well, yeah, it's actually helping to heal it. There's some other things you need to do. So the consensus was for the entire 20th century that, hey, man, I'm nervous. I'm busy. You know, I'm having fights with my friends, you know, um, whatever. Being my love wife or, or at odds or whatever. Uh, hey, you know what? If the truth of the matter is, is that's not the case. That's not what causes them. Now, does it make it worse? Sure, it does. But it's actually a bacteria. Now, uh, consensus, the 97% consensus among the left is, hey, you know what? Uh, Donald Trump didn't pay his taxes. He's a tax cheat. And Barack Hussein Obama, you know, he pays his taxes. And then Bernie Sanders, of course, wow, he really pays his taxes because he's a socialist. He's a proud socialist, and he wants to pay his taxes because he thinks that's a good thing to do. And I agree with him. Hey, let's pay our fair share. So, well, Bernie, well, Bernie, 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 Bernie. In 2014, Bernie only paid 13.5%. His effective tax rate was 13.5%. He's one of the people, though. And then you have, um, let me see here. Bill is communicating with me here. Anybody know what the 27th is? What is that? Let's see. I'm terrible at this kind of thing. Uh, 27th, that's a Monday. No, no can do. Uh, so anyway, uh, you know, we, we thought that this guy is one of the people, people's people, you know, wow, you know, great guy. You know, he's a great senator, you know, Bernie Sanders and 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 Hillary Clinton, you know, uh, was very much an enemy until uh, Hillary offered him a lot of money to uh, to go ahead and bow out of the uh, of the of the of the uh, election. Get on out of there. So 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 Bernie did. You know, he's very busy, Bernie you know, collecting a check and paying off all of his, you know, campaign expenses. And of course he had a lot left over, you know, so Bernie, you know, he's 13 and a half percent Bernie will call, uh, Barack Hussein Obama, you know, everybody's got to do the fair share. Everybody's got to do a little more, dig a little deeper. Isn't that interesting? 18.7% effective tax rate in 2015. I, wait, I thought this guy was one of the people. 
I thought he's one of the people. I thought this is one of the people's people. You know, the struggle. I'm down for the struggle. Are you? Give more. <laughs> uh, no. So then you have, you have, you know, and, and, and look, everybody assumes that, that, you know, Barack Obama's given so much to the cause, you know, so much. He's just so one of the people. He's in for the struggle. But then you have Donald Trump, uh, President Donald Trump now, you know, extremely successful business person. And Rachel Maddow, Dr. Rachel Maddow, she has a PhD. Did you know that? Dr. Rachel Maddow of MSNBC, uh, she comes on her show and it's a big push yesterday. I, I don't know how many of you, you know, subscribe to any updates from them, but it was a big, big push, a big announcement. They, they even put MSNBC and NBC put a ticker on their show, uh, on their shows showing how long until Rachel Maddow's show in which she was going to release. She was, she, she now has a copy of his tax return, 2005 tax return. Uh, and she's going to release the results. She's going to, she's going to show we have them. And wow, will you be shocked? And then she gets on the show and she does this big build up for 20 minutes. Uh, and then so sorry, so sorry. Uh, she starts reading what the what what the information is on the tax return has been approved by the government. And guess what happens? Rachel Maddow reveals that Donald Trump, then Donald Trump businessman, now President Donald Trump, he actually <sighs> paid millions and millions of dollars, 25% effective tax rate. This New Yorker, 25% effective tax rate. You believe it? It's huge money. That's huge money. It's more taxes I'll ever pay in a million lifetimes. But he paid it. So what's funny to me, and, and I just, I think this is not funny, but I think it's ironical, uh, not a word. I, I just think it's egregious and it's inexcusable uh, that the left still keeps saying what they're going to what they say, and they're spinning this. By the way, lest you believe that a big corporation like Comcast, you know, doing all the good of the world, NBC, lest you believe that they are they are just so benevolent, uh, they only paid twenty four percent average tax rate over the last five years, twenty four percent. So don't believe that. So so then we have the ninety seven percent consensus myth, right? So part of that myth is that a conservative could never win New York City mayor, the mayor's race. Could never do it. It's just never going to happen. And I thought that, too, until I ran into this guy, Mr. Michael Faulkner. Now, he's a Frederick Douglass Republican, and we're welcoming him now to the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show. How are you, Mr. Faulkner? I am doing great, Sean. Thank you so much for having me. Oh man, it's my pleasure. It's an honor and pleasure to have you. So, okay, so so you, as I understand, are also a reverend. Tell me a little bit about your faith. Well, I I, uh, I grew up in a, a middle class home in Washington D.C. and we had religious values, but I, I didn't really have a true conversion until I got to college, and I got gloriously, miraculously saved. So you know, and and Amen. at the the, the, the total transformation, and that was my last year of college, or last two years of college, and it was life-changing and life-altering. Never changed, never went back, and from that point on, I knew God had something special for me, and I began to talk about, you know, this, I, I thought, you know, it was, it was in ministry or, you know, pro football, communications, and so the, the myriad of things that I've done has been all around my faith and built on my faith and what God's called me to do and be. 
Amen. Now, I understand that you worked at one of my alma maters, Liberty University, under Jerry Falwell Sr., one of my heroes. Uh, tell me a little bit about that experience. <laughs> I love Jerry. Jerry was great. Uh, you know, when I, when I left the Jets, I played, you know, football with the Jets. And when I left after a year, I went back to Virginia Tech, got my master's degree, and then I went to Liberty University to work. I was assistant dean of students, and then uh, I think Jerry wanted to get rid of me, so he promoted me to vice president. And mm. it was it was an amazing experience. I mean, if you you know knowing Jerry, you know he just he he was a breathed life into everything that he did. He was he was just really really one of the most gracious. And humble oh, yeah. man, and when people, when I tell people that, they say, "Really, him?" I said, "No, no, you you didn't know the man. To know the man, he was my pastor. He was a friend. He was a mentor, and it was a great experience. And and so in 1988, I did the unthinkable. I traded in a career uh, in the Ivy Tower to come back to Times Square to run a soup kitchen, mm. and that's what I did. Yeah, and we, my wife and uh, two children, then did it as uh, missionaries. It was a great experience. It was, you know, God's calling on our life to come back and, you know, to live amongst the, the, the prostitutes, the drug addicts, the drug dealers, and, and all of the mess, the, the mangled, fragmented segments of humanity in Times Square. And we saw it all cleaned up. And now mm. when I see the reversal of all that we've gained, it makes me sick to my stomach. And that's why I want to mm -hmm. be mayor. That's incredible. Now, uh, just not for nothing, but as many of our guests know, I, uh, through my company, Executive Protection Team, we, um, we, we actually had the pleasure of protecting uh, Dr. Elmer Towns on several occasions, and boy, do I love that guy. He was actually my first Bible teacher at Liberty University, and wow, what a fountain of wow. knowledge, and uh, yeah, yeah, he was really something. He, he's, he's, wow. And uh, yeah. Miss Ruth is gone. God bless her soul. But uh, my goodness, what a team they were and and uh, what a wonderful, wonderful man he was. I, I had the opportunity to be around um, Dr. Falwell. I never had an opportunity to engage with him individually, but I was always incredibly impressed with him. So you go, you go from Liberty University, which I don't know if folks really realize is a place that is just absolutely amazing. It is a culture in and of itself. Uh, unlike liberal uh, college campuses, which I talk about in my book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, uh, unlike th those places, Liberty is just, it's a place you don't want to leave, quite frankly. It is an amazing place, and it's because of some of the greatest leadership of all time, vision and trust and faith in, in God and what God can do if we get out of the way. And I think uh, that's a great start for you to go into feeding the, the, the people with the greatest struggle uh, in life, the, the destitute, the poor, uh, and, and, and those folks that are just in the, the, the toughest, toughest uh, circumstances. Now, right. and, and, you and, go and, to you New know, York Sean, City. Was, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, no, no, it, it, was, it was an outgrowth. You know, my daughter, my daughter is a senior now at Liberty University, so I've had a chance oh, awesome. to go back and, and to, to plug in with uh, Jerry Jr. and, and everything, and I'm, I'm amazed at what has happened in the last 20 years, but, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a world, the world-class Christian university, and I'm excited to be, you know, be part of it and excited to, to, you know, to have that. And that was the great launching pad, and it was because of Jerry that I could say, you know what, 
uh, I could stay here and, you know, be live in the ivory tower, or I could get down in the belly of the beast and make a real difference. And that's what I did 30 years ago. Awesome. Now you served, uh, and, and I think this is powerful. You served, and, and let me, let me just, um, what should I call you? What, what do you prefer? Michael. Michael, that's my middle name. So we have that in common. Now, right. uh, Michael, so you you played football for the Jets. Uh, then you went to Liberty. And then you, you said, you know what? God's placed a call on my life. And, and, and many people who uh, live in the natural or secular, um, they, when we, when we, people of faith say, uh, I'm, I've got a call on my life now and i've got to change what i'm doing i have a call uh, on my life and uh, by the way people are asking how old are you now i am i will be 60 years old in uh just a few weeks so wow yeah, i'm looking I'm, at your uh, photograph so you're you're doing all the right things now you run marathons and such that's that's pretty I, impressive I have, i've run i've run four and i know i have a fifth one in me somewhere I just don't think it's going to be this year because I'm I'm a little bit consumed with this race, but believe me, it is it is uh, you know the mind clearing. It is it that was my therapy. I enjoy running. I do Amen. distance running, and I don't don't get a chance to do it as much as I as I used to. But uh, but it's still in me. I hear you. I hear you. I'm, I know you'll make it happen. Now, first of all, for our audience, look, the the world has not been uh, when you when you look at Michael's life. And you say, well, he's, you know, he was a pro football player. He went straight into, you know, very coveted positions at Liberty University, was promoted very quickly. Uh, you, you know, you look at his life and you think, man, this guy's charmed. But you know what? He was married for 31 years. Uh, his wife, Virginia, married 31 years. Now, that's a long time. And this was uh, fairly recent, February of 2014. And you raised three children in New York City, which in and of itself is a, a difficult thing. But then, praise God, God brought you somebody uh, by the name of Dr. Sarah Padilla, and she's a practicing psychologist, so that's near to my heart with my counseling background. Um, and uh, and I have to say, you've blended now your three kids, her daughter, and three grandchildren. So you've got a lot going on. You could do other things. I mean, you're feeding people, uh, you're right. dealing with prostitutes and people in the very, very toughest parts of Life, because let's be honest, New York City is a tough place. It's a tough place. It is a, it is a tough place. But, you know, Sean, and, 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 and I know your audience will appreciate this. I, you know, people ask me all the time, they say, why are you really running? And I say, because I don't like bullies. I don't like the fact that our city, this great city that I love, that God called me to, is being bullied by this liberal doctrine that says government can solve all of your problems tax it, spend it, you know, grow it, and it, it, will, it, it will all take care of itself. You know, we, we're going to give away everything, and, and it somehow it, it, it denies people the dignity of work. It denies people, it denies our society the growth that can happen with entrepreneurship and business-driven principles. You see, I'm a social entrepreneur. I'm not a social engineer. I don't try to control the outcome. But I do try to make sure everybody has access to resources that is going to allow them to pursue, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and to be able to grow that, and to be able to grow their families. And New Yorkers are hardworking people, and generally, I say genuine, um, 
generally conservative. And when I say conservative, I mean they value hard work. They value mm-hmm. individual responsibility. They value, uh, honestly, smaller government, believe it or not, in New York City. However, it's been controlled by the, the, the liberal agenda for so long, but now John DePendulum is starting to switch back. It's shifting, and that's why, you know, in your opening comments, you are so right. A conservative can't, not only can, but will be elected as mayor because I speak common sense principles. When I go into environments like uh, I, I do a lot of campaigning in housing projects, in the, you know, public housing, and I go in and I say the same thing. I say, listen, we've got to do this together. Government can't do this for you. The government doesn't owe you anything. I say that, Sean. I say, mm-hmm. you know, that the way that we're going to improve our schools is improve what we do for our kids before they go to school. We right. need to improve our homes before we can expect a better outcome in our schools. That message is being resonated and is, is, is making itself home in communities that people thought, oh, well, if the, and, you know, particularly in the African-American community, they say, well, look, uh, you know, if, 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 if the, the black and the Latino community is so uh, conservative, why do they always vote for liberals? Why do they always vote for Democrats or for liberals? And I said, because we haven't had, we've had the right message, but not the right messenger. I mm-hmm. am the messenger. I am that messenger. I am that blend of both conservative and compassionate principles, and I have a 30-year track record to show both. Well, you know, and, and the thing is, is uh, obviously you're, you're a smart guy. You have a BA in, in uh, communications and a master's in education and career counseling from Virginia Tech. So you, you didn't sit around and just come up with this just by living in the community. You, you went, you educated yourself uh, very, very well. And then you go and you get into the belly of the beast, New York City. And, the, and, and really, look, listen, folks, if you visited New York City, you maybe took a bus there uh, or, or a friend. Um, maybe maybe a friend took you like we've had friends drive us in. And and uh, and I've you know, obviously, I've done a lot of work there in the executive protection world. And, and you know, if somebody's paying me to protect them. Or, you know, in my past, they're paying me to protect them. We're going first class everywhere because that's how you know people that are paying the kind of money that it required to have executive personal protection. Well, they're not they're not going to the rough areas. They're they're going to be in the nice places. And so you don't really get a a, a true experience of what New York really can be like, right? You, you you just don't get that. So what happens? You you go in where people if you don't feed them. If you don't go to the soup kitchen and feed them, they don't eat. People say, well, they're alcoholics or drug addicts. That's a reality that we have in this world. Uh, and, and I like what you said. And my good friend, Kay Carl, uh, he says this all the time. We're all three in agreement. You know what? Uh, we got to fix the families. Well, first, we got to fix, I believe, the spiritual condition of people. But while we're doing that, we have to be the hands and feet of Christ and feed them, educate them, teach them, because the public education system it's no longer about teaching history and proper English and, you know, uh, how to prepare yourself for the next step in life. And, but we've got families that send their kids to school with nothing to eat. Uh, nothing at all to eat. Their homes are in the scariest places of New York, the underbelly of New York City. So you decide at some point, hey, you know what, I'm going to put leadership experience and commitment uh, to f- complete force here 
uh, and I'm going to really force multipliers, and I'm going to get on the pathway to victory. Now, you wrote a book called Rest Restoring the American Dream. I know this highlights your vision and goals to save the American dream for future generations, but I can imagine that part of that is from growing up in D.C., you know, the struggles that come with that. D.C. is a tough place, too. And then, you know, going into the underbelly of New York City, what is, how do we restore the American dream? Now, I understand that, you know, everybody has their different view on how to do that. How do you, you know, and I know you can't encapsulate a whole book in, in the time we have here, but how do you do it? What's, what's Michael Faulkner's vision for this? Well, Restoring the every American generation, dream. every generation of Americans has got to fight for our democracy and for the American dream. Every generation has had to fight for it. You know, we, we, we go back to the founding of our country and the Revolutionary War and then the War of 1812 and all the wars that were fought, all the revolutions that have been fought to generation after generation. We continue to further this democracy and continue to work at it. And it's not on autopilot. It cannot be put on autopilot. Every person has to work. We've got to get involved in democracy. We've got to run for office, especially as Christians. We've got to run for office. We've got to be involved in this because that's what American, that's what being American is all about. It's not having a government that somehow you can push a button and phone in your participation. You can't. You've got to get involved. And, you know, when, when Ben Franklin was asked by this dear lady, you know, after the Constitutional Convention, you know, well, well Mr. Franklin, what kind of government did you give us, a republic or a, a um, or uh, she said republic or democracy? And he said, well, uh, republic, if you can keep it. You know, right. And the idea of a republic is that every person, you know, it's not every person has a voice, but we have representative government that we hold accountable and that we express our needs, our concerns as citizens. And we have the idea of citizen legislators and citizen participation. So the, restoring the American dream is all about the next generation. It's thinking generationally, not just what's in this for me in my life, but what am I leaving as a legacy for the future? And honestly, Sean, you know, Jerry talked about that. Jerry Falwell Sr. talked about that. He demonstrated it. And my coming to New York was all about that. And my, and my first wife, bless her soul, you know, she, she, she was all in, you know, about coming, raising the kids in New York City. We had it made in Lynchburg. You know, uh, but but you know, but sacrificing for the next generation. And now, in this season of my life, in which you know I'm remarried and wonderful wife, and she's a she's a psychologist, and she's she's in the belly of the beast. I mean, she's working with children that are have been you know just have had all manner of things happen to them. She's a child psychologist, and she works with some of the most difficult difficult you know, cases, and I won't go into the detail, but she does work with very, very difficult cases. She loves it, she's, and that's what she's doing. And so in this season of our life when you would think that, okay, you should be slowing down, we're actually going all in. We're all in for this, for this race for, for mayor, uh, you know, and I believe God has called us to win. I believe not just to, to show up and to, to, to do nice interviews and to talk about the godly principles, but to actually be there and to be able to demonstrate righteousness in government and in and, and, and our generation. And people that are listening, they can get involved. They can, they can absolutely get involved by going to our website, 
participating in what we're talking about, understand, you know, we've got to get involved in America if we're going to save America. And every generation has to do it. We cannot phone it in. Well, I appreciate that. You know, you mentioned um, the uh, a republic if you can keep it. Um, that was Elizabeth Willing Powell, and she was. Uh, you know, we study this in the Center for Self Governance. She she was a person who couldn't vote. She was not a politician. She held no elected office. Yet she got involved. She got plugged in, and when she had the opportunity to have that amazing conversation uh, with Franklin. Uh, she took advantage of that time. She was well-educated in the sense of what exactly truly was, was happening. Now, her, um, her, her uh, husband, Samuel Powell, who died in 1793, uh, in, by the way, folks, you can go to the house at 244 South 3rd Street between Willings Alley and Spruce Street. It's in the Society Hill neighborhood of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You can go to that home. You can tour it. Uh, amazing things have happened there. And, and I have to say, it's quite stunning, the history that happens uh, all around us. So the, the fact of the matter is, this one person, Elizabeth Powell, said, hey, I've got to do something. I've got to have these conversations. I've got to press these people that are forming the country. They're forming the country, the formative years of the country. And I've got to press and I've got to stand up. And yes, I can't vote. You know, I'm a woman, I don't hold office, but I can ask the, the powerful questions. And that's the thing a lot of people, uh, Michael, have have said, you know what, can't fight City Hall, I'm busy going to work, I'm doing all these things, I just don't have time. Um, now, our chat is open, and some folks are asking some questions, and they would like to know what support you're getting from the Republican organizations in New York City. Is this, are they supportive of you, or what are they doing? I'm actually I'm actually doing well in in uh, the Republican circles in in New York City. Believe it or not, the majority of the uh, I'm going to be in a primary, and the re, re, minority the majority of the primary voters are conservative or would would lean in my direction. You know, there's a big the, the big issues of the day in New York City are: Do we want to remain a sanctuary city? I say no. My Republican opponent, who is running, says yes. We should remain a sanctuary city. I um, supported uh, and voted for Donald Trump, and my opponent, uh, who is a Republican, uh, did not. In fact, uh, he voted for, he and his wife voted for other people. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's really a conservative or a true Republican versus someone who's not, you know. And, and so that's where it is in terms of the Republican primary. And then the general election. Bill de Blasio is really out of touch with mm. New Yorkers and, uh, you know, not not to mention, you know, his own party, but he is not as popular as people think he is. And so I'm getting a lot of, of honestly, a lot of support from the Republicans. But to be honest with you, Sean, and this is where Christians, I have to just say to Christians and, and, and conservatives, we need to put our money where our mouth is. You know, for generations we've been hearing, hey, when are we going to have some black conservatives that we can support and run for office, et cetera, et cetera? What are we going to do with, with African-American outreach? When are we going to reach the Latino community? I'm doing all of the above, and I need more love, more attention, more money from, uh, from conservatives. I really, really need to do that. And, and to be honest with you, it doesn't take billions of dollars. It just takes everybody doing something. They can go to our website and donate right now or, you know, but, but in terms of attention, 
That's what I need. I need people to begin to focus on this race because this is the biggest political race in 2017. And as conservatives, as Christians, we have somebody that's in the race. But I need the resources to show the credibility. I've got the message. I've got the track record. I've got the experience. And so that's what the, the, the Republican leadership is saying. Michael, you're our guy. We like you, but, you know, we need to make sure that you can raise the resources to, uh, to run this race. Uh, you mentioned a word that I think a lot of people use but don't really uh, know what it means. I know that you know what it means, uh, but I'm wondering, what is a Republican to you? A Republican is a, is a, is a, a person who believes in smaller government, individual responsibility, constitutional mm-hmm. freedoms, you know, a strong support of the Constitution. Uh, in, in my opinion, uh, a person who is, uh, you know, the, the, it is the party, it was the one party that held to, to the pro-life position. And, and that's been on our platform for, for many years and uh, under much scrutiny and debate, but a pro-life uh, platform. But the, the Republicans are those who would believe in smaller government, individual responsibility, market-driven economic principles that actually propel us to earn more, to do more, rather than having government fix everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, small government, it's, it's a behemoth now. It's, it has oh absolutely taken on its, its own word. In New York City, the budget has doubled since 2001. It's gone from $42 billion to $84 billion a year. That's our annual budget in New York City. It's amazing. That, that is, is amazing. absolutely amazing. And and it's an amazing place. Look, don't get me wrong. I love the plays. I, I like to go. Uh, my daughter is, she calls New York City the mothership. Uh, she loves uh, Broadway and all that. Even though, you know, quite honestly, they're extraordinarily left, very, very single issue or one or two issues. And nothing else really matters to them but their issues. And the fact of the matter is, uh, that's a struggle for me. I don't like putting money in their pockets. Uh, but you know, we certainly would never treat them with disrespect, although they did decide that the folks, uh, at Hamilton, the cast of Hamilton did decide that, you know, we're just going to embarrass the, the vice president of the United States of America. We're going to embarrass him and his family. We're going to single him out and we're going to preach at him as though we are somehow an expert, uh, on things. And, 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 you know, it's unfortunate because the show is excellent. Uh, but it's it's also riddled with inaccuracies, and uh, but but the lack of class is is just pitiful. It's just really really pitiful. So well, you the, go the, the class act. The class act that that was Mike Pence. I mean, I mean oh, Mike yeah. Pence. What a great guy, man. We are so yeah. blessed to have him as as our VP. It's just uh, he is a he's a class act all the way around. So. One of my good friends was his uh, communications director for many, many years uh, as as governor, and and he says the same thing. He said he's a very Christ-like guy. He's a very good human being. His family is humble, uh, and they're very smart, very hard workers, and they understand and support the Constitution every day. And so the fact of the matter is, 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 you know, that's what we need more of, not less of. But when we use the term Frederick Douglass Republican, and, and uh, well, hold on a second. Let me see if this is Carl. Uh, we have a caller coming in. And I recognize the first part of the number. Let me check real quick. <laughs> Hello, is this K Carl? Hey, man, how you doing? 
<laughs> Come on. I remembered your number, my brother. I remembered your number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the only person from Alabama that you know. Uh, hey, come on now. Now that's that's hurtful. I know a lot of people from Alabama and they know me. All right, so you have just called in and you are the the champion of Frederick Douglass Republicans and I'm sure that you must have something to say to or about Mr. Faulkner here. Well, I like what I'm hearing. Of course. Uh here's uh, somebody who's decided to step out and do something to make an impact in the community. And so yeah. uh we can barely I'm, hear you, friend. Uh, okay. Um, there we go. I said I'm like I'm like I'm like what I'm hearing because uh, here's somebody a black conservative decided to step out and uh, want to make a difference, and he's running as a Frederick Douglass Republican. I think which he, which he must do to make a difference in order to make an impact and, and have a chance to win. So uh, I'm just listening. So Absolutely. so uh, 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 Michael and K. Carl. What is and we'll we'll take K. Carl first. What is the what? Like, let's say maybe five things. It doesn't have to be five things. If you have ten things, that's fine with me. But what do you both feel is most effective to help you uh, push through? First of all, you've got to beat your primary candidate, uh, your primary opponent. And uh, what's the best way to do that? Well, Michael is hitting on it. First, you got to have a message. Got to have a message mm-hmm. that resonates with people, and it and it has to that message has to restore the propaganda of the other side, and you mm-hmm. got to have money. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's tough to win. You can have the strongest message in the world, but if you don't have the money to expand your message and get it to people where they can hear it. That's difficult, and mm-hmm. so that's the challenge that a lot of black conservatives face because they think that because blacks have been voting strongly Democrat for the last 50 some years that there's absolutely no way to move that needle but there is a way and the only way you can do it is through Frederick Douglass it's the only way yeah I agree I agree, I agree with that I agree with that you know the, the here's the thing in New York City the the you know I I tell people all the time and they say well oh you're a Republican I say yes I'm a proud Frederick Douglass Republican they say what does that mean I say I go back to the roots of the party the the the, the part of the party that was built around freedom individual responsibility entrepreneurship hard work self determination and I talk about those principles and then I bring it home and say we need that in these especially the, these disadvantaged communities. And when I go into those disadvantaged communities and I talk about the Frederick Douglass principles, people stand up, they cheer. I'm, t- I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. They weep, and K. Carl can tell you. And they say, oh, my goodness, we've never heard this before. And I say, you need to understand the roots of, of this, both this party these principles that I'm talking about, and understand that those were the common values of African Americans after the slavery experience and all the way up to uh, the great society. In, 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 you know, when we passed that legislation that was supposed to uh, level the playing field, it, it, we didn't need all of that legislation to level the playing field. There were some things that needed to be done and things that needed to be addressed. But government can't do for people. Government must help, must pave the way. And like Frederick Douglass said, look, if the Negro can't stand on his own two legs, let him fall. And every time I say that, people get it. They say, wow, uh, that's awful strong. I said, you need to understand the 
dignity, the worth, the value, the significance of hard work cannot be overstated. And yes, we want a level or playing field. We want better opportunities. We need better education. But we've got to be able to do it. Government can't do it. And so to create this expectation that somehow government's going to fix all of these problems for us and it's going to do things for us and going to give us more and da-da, it's, it, listen, it, it, we did as, as the African-American uh, the Americans experience under Jim Crow, horrible, horrible segregation, we did well. And when I say we did well, I'm talking about schools, they were not equal. The whole separate but equal doctrine, they, the schools were not equal. However, schools did fairly well. The family certainly was not devastated. I mean, when you look at out-of-wedlock births, okay, under, you know, in, in that, up before 1964, I think it was something like the, the, the highest it had gotten was 20%. And now you have less than so almost a total reversal. Almost 80% of, of of children born to African American uh, are out of wedlock. Mother and father aren't together. Those are important things to to remember. Well, and there's been a there's been a, an attack for many many years from the left to impugn and undermine the family unit within the black community. They've used lots of tools to do that. They've used drugs. They've used They've actually used checks from the government uh, and, and poor education designed specifically to uh, strip away at the roots and the values and, and even to some degree faith to impugn the faith, the underpinning of faith within the black community. But my favorite place to speak, uh, and this is true, my, my kehala on Sundays, but uh, a very close second after that is in black churches and black organizations. I'm treated with uh, tremendous respect. Of course, in the black churches, um, I love the immediate feedback. I love, I grew up singing gospel music. Uh, I sang uh, when I was younger and uh, that's the music I learned on hymns and gospel music. That's, that's what I loved. And so when I go to churches now that are predominantly black churches, I look around and I see people that they get it in a sense, but in another sense, a very shocking sense. Once we start talking about turning back the size of government, uh, they start to recoil and they say, well, you're going to take away our rights. Well, and I always ask them, what, what are the rights you're afraid that conservatism, Re Frederick, Re Frederick Douglass, Republicanism are going to take from you? Do you? Well, the Republicans are against us and the Democrats are for us. And just like President Donald Trump said during his campaign, how's that working out for you? So under undermining uh, the very insidious, very, very insidious attack on the black community's faith, the principles, uh, you know, you guys know CW, uh, Mr. Bryant, CW, uh, CL Bryant, rather. Yeah, so CL talks about this all the time. And when CL talks about it, he says, look, I was one of you until I realized, wait a second, if we look at my values, my real true values, they're as a conservative. The, the left has never helped me. They've never helped me. They've just kept me where I am because they say I'm too stupid. I'm, I'm not inventive enough. I'm too lazy. I can't learn. So they keep me here and they keep me voting for them, yet they've never helped me get out of here. And so what I would ask you is, is obviously in, uh, and, and Michael, I, you know, I so appreciate you coming on. If you guys want to learn more about 
Michael Faulkner. Just go to FaulknerForNewYork.com. That's FaulknerForNewYork.com. I'm going to, I'll tell you this, I will avail you uh, of some great friends of mine. Um, it's uh, CenterForSelfGovernance.com. And these folks, I've been through five levels of, of in-person training with them. And they, they've, one of the things that they do is they will help campaigns using the principles of uh, the Center for Self-Governance and, and Mrs. Powell uh, to help go, learn the system and then gain the system, just like the left has done, but with honor and dignity and effectiveness. And every campaign they've been involved, when, involved in, except one, has won. And some of those have been enormous campaigns. And I know that they, you know, they could be great help to you. So I'll send you some links to them, centerforselfgovernance.com. They're unbelievable. Just absolutely unbelievable. I've seen them change uh, uh, people's thinking so dramatically, just like Kay Carl does. Kay Carl, uh, I've seen an audience look at him when he walks in and think he's going to say one thing and then he says another. But before they know it, they've been educated. They've been clarified. Yeah, that's uplifting. I mean, that's empowering. When you go from, hey, if that check doesn't come in the mail on Friday, I'm in deep trouble, to I don't depend on somebody else to put that check in the mail. I put it in the mail. I make it happen, and I don't do it through crime. I don't do it through drug dealing or prostitution or any of these other things. I do it through generating value and and stick-to-itiveness and and my faith and and my trust in, in my God. And who he made me to be. And he didn't make me to be somebody waiting at a mailbox for a check. So telling uh, that story is powerful. Absolutely. And when you say that, it reminds me of a young man who's actually heading the the Frederick Douglass Republicans in a housing project in the Bronx. And this kid came out of a gang background. Okay. Mm. And he started that because exactly what you said verbatim, Sean. He said, I am sick and tired of watching my family wait for the check every month. He said, I'm sick of this, living like this. And I told him, you don't have to live like this anymore. And I began to talk to him, and I gave him a couple books about Frederick Douglass. And he, you know, he, listen, he doesn't share my faith in, in, in Christ. In, in fact, he's, 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 he's struggling. He's, he's wondering. He's questioning. But he does understand the values of, of, of Frederick Douglass. He does understand that. And, you know, eventually he'll understand where Frederick Douglass got it, because Frederick Douglass was a preacher, too. He was, a, he was many things. But we, as Americans, you know, the, the only thing that will work, and Kay Carl said it, the only thing that will work right now against this, this unabashed liberalism, this progressivism that is moving uh, and, and is confronting us on every turn. The only thing that works effectively is Frederick Douglass Republicanism. And what I mean by that is conservatives armed and equipped with the understanding of these values and that are unashamed to go into the belly of the beast and confront this stuff head on. You can't backdoor this. You can't go around this. You can't, i got to be loud and proud. I have to be in people's face, 
constantly and saying, look, this, these are things that work because people are tired. The disgruntled Democrats are out there. They're out there, but they have no party. We need to give them a party. We need to give them the ability to say, I want to participate in the political process. I want to make a difference. Where can I make a difference? They can make a difference as a Frederick Douglass Republican. And they can get involved in my race right now because can you imagine, and Kay Carl said it earlier, we, we were talking on the phone a couple of days ago, what's going to happen when we win? New York City. And we are going to win because 56% of the, the, the electorate here are black and Latino, and they are going to vote for me in large numbers. And then the conservative Republicans are going to vote. So the only people who are going to be left out are the, 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 the liberals, and they, some of them are, are saying, well, maybe we should give this guy a shot, you know, uh, because, you know, nothing else has worked. And we seem to be having some problems, some chronic problems that won't, don't seem to go away. Michael, what do you think the first, uh, let's say you're elected uh, mayor today. Wouldn't that be awesome? You're elected mayor today. And uh, as my buddy Jerry has, has uh, so eloquently put, businesses and business people, they're leaving New York City, New York State in general, but New York City in droves. They are flooding out of New York City. They say, we just can't do it. The, the uh, taxes are too high, the pay to play, you know, and if people don't realize what that is, that extends all the way down to, I have to park my, my fruit truck. Let's say I'm delivering fruit to uh, restaurants and it's fresh fruit. And I, you know, I, I can't park five. Uh, in fact, my, my, uh, my cousin Dave, you know, is, he's a master plumber. And when he works in cities, now he doesn't work in cities anymore because, because of this reason, he has to park three, four, five blocks down and find some way to get uh, an 800-pound heater, a 1,000-pound heater, five blocks down to, to the site where he's got to install the thing. And police officers will come up and they'll mess with him and they'll, you know, they don't understand business. They, their check comes no matter what, but he's got to work to make that check happen. And then another police officer come up and, and uh, in, indicate, hey, you know, we could we could watch this for a few minutes while you leave it and go park your truck, but uh, ain't going to be free. You know, that's not really what we're paid to do. And then you have other cases where certain companies are more than welcome because they're on the team. They're on the team. They support the, the Democrat team. And it's funny because people talk about Republicans all the time with corruption and all those things. But look at the look at the massive evidence to the contrary. Uh, that's just not the case. So let's say you're you become mayor of New York City, that fine, fine city, New York City. Uh, we'll give you a, a day to s let it soak in tomorrow. You become the mayor tomorrow. What are the first things that you do when you you become mayor? Uh, you actually take office. What are the first things you do? Uh, you, you freeze. I uh, have to freeze property taxes for a couple of years. Because property taxes are driving, that's the reason everybody's leaving. So you got to stop the leak before you can mop up the water, okay? So you freeze property taxes, which can be done. Secondly, you, you begin to approach schools. I lift the cap on charter schools, allow there to be more competition in the public school system. Public schools work, when, but there needs to be competition, a healthy competition, okay, for those students. Lift the cap on, char, on, on charter schools. People in New York City, people say crime is down, but people don't feel safe, and there's because there's a disconnect between the police and the community. You reunite police and community how? Simply by having a conversation. I support cops. 
I support law and order, but I also support the community. And the community, in those communities where there's high crime, they want to see police officers. And so we can join that. I can have those conversations. And getting family, getting key stakeholders involved. When I say stakeholders, I mean people who have uh, something to say. And, you know, we don't need big government solutions to solve all the problems in New York City. In every community where there's a problem, there's a community leader in that community that has a solution that lacks the resources to bring that to market. We're going to replicate that which has worked, best practices we're going to replicate, and failures we're going to eliminate, we're going to uh, elevate those things. So I do have a five- or six-point plan of things that I want to do in the first 100 days of government. And, and I, was, I worked, by the way, with the Giuliani administration. I worked uh, and helped uh, with the Bloomberg administration. I worked with the Pataki administration. So I've worked with a number of governors and uh, mayors in New York City as a volunteer to help build and rebuild the city and i can do it again we can do it again we can make it happen i you know our our campaign slogan is unity is our destiny when new yorkers work together it's amazing the things that will happen and that is uh, of of all stripes and, and you know that the amazing thing about new yorkers are for all our you know uh brashness etc we are an amazingly tolerant group of people and and in the sense that everybody really likes the fact that they're New Yorkers. If they're still here, they're here for a reason. They like being here and they they really do value the diversity of New York. And so I will enhance that. I will continue to keep that and especially we've got to keep the middle class here. And and that's that's a that's a tough one, but we've got to do it because otherwise it becomes the two cities, the haves and the have-nots. What do you think, Michael, is the, is the hardest uh, – well, I guess let me frame this a different way. Uh, New York City is, is the toughest city in the world to live in, uh, in the United States. I won't say the world. I've been to cities all over the world, and many of them are much, much tougher. But in the United States, it's a tough city to live in. But it's also widely known that uh, New York City is the toughest city to lead as mayor. Why do you think that is? What is it that makes New York City the most difficult city to to serve as mayor? In? Well, I think you have you have you know because of big business you have you know and and the thing that the thing that people have gotten wrong and certainly this mayor right now he, he you know he's he's out to be some advocate for you know progressive he wants to be a leader of this progressive movement and he's wrong on every turn and that's why the liberals the be honest with you the progressives don't really like him much you know because he's just been wrong he's chosen the wrong things you know so he's you know but it's difficult because of the 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 various interests i love new york i love the city you can't just love a part of the city. You have to love it in whole, in its context. You have to love it in context. You have to want to keep New York, New York. And I want to keep New York, New York. I appreciate the diversity. I appreciate all the various cultural uh, differences. And people say, well, the, the, the Big Apple is rotten. No, it's not. I mean, and there. Are, listen, there's sin there are issues of sin in every city, in every segment, in every part of the world. 
for the religious community to be able to thrive here, we have to have an open environment, one which can can be uh, supported. But we we have to understand that you know faith is a is a personal decision that each person has to make. And so I'm not here to you know to uh, usher in a quote unquote Christian environment or Christian uh, government, but a, an environment where Christianity can thrive, an environment where people can make choices, healthy choices about helping New York. So the reason it's difficult for some people, or, or some people say it's difficult, is because they don't love the city. If you love the city, then you, you know, and I've, listen, I've knocked on 6,000 doors, 7,000 doors. I'm out every day, every weekend, knocking on doors, talking to people, meeting people, uh, getting to know them, hearing their problems, hearing their concerns, and I love it. I enjoy it because New Yorkers really want to do better, and you can't approach it in any other way. You've got to approach it as a whole because if you approach it in piecemeal and, you know, with one party versus another party or one demographic versus another demographic, it falls apart. And that's what makes mm-hmm. it more difficult because you're trying to keep everybody else happy when if you just go after New Yorkers, you know, you find that common thread that unites us all then it's much easier to lead. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with that. Um, so you're, you, you, you've mentioned that you knocked on thousands and thousands of doors. Um, is there a way, and my, my good friend Jerry uh, suggested this, and I, and I agree, it's a great suggestion. How uh, have you reached out to Rudy Giuliani for help, uh, either for public endorsement, some appearances, things of that nature? Well, I, I worked with Rudy, and and he he's a great guy. As, you know, to, but to be honest with you, uh, I I have not reached out. I did reach out. I bumped into him <laughs> several months ago on the street, and I said, "Mr. Mayor," I said, "Mr. Mayor," and he says, "Future Mayor," you know, and and so we embraced and we took a couple pictures and that kind of thing. Uh, I think he will help at at some point. I know that he, you know, that that several people that worked with his administration, I've been reaching out to. So that is a, you know, and and listen, within the the the, the electorate here in New York City, there's a lot of, you know, tricky things that are going on. So the answer is yes, and that may be forthcoming. We do know each other. We do have a personal relationship, and that may be forthcoming. Well, that would be awesome. That would certainly be awesome. So what can our audience do? Now, obviously, we have, uh, you know, another great question is, um, I used to be a police officer years and years ago, and and uh, I know uh, people refer to police and fire now as first responders. Can you get any help from them? I mean, your message is good for them, too, because the better the community is, the, the healthier, the safer, the safer, the less crime, uh, the more family values. Listen, the the public breaks down when the family breaks down and the family breaks down when faith breaks down and practice breaks down and, and values break down. And the fact of the matter is police don't often have to go to places where the values are in place. The families are in place. It's a very rare thing, but they do spend about 89% of their time in the communities where the values have fallen apart. Uh, the families have, have just been chewed up and spit out and or rejected, quite frankly. So how about the police and first responders, firemen, things like that, creating a, a coalition? Now, I know the folks that, that aren't from or familiar with New York City may not realize what a power grip the Democrat Party has on the first responders unions, the FDNY, the NYPD, 
you know, boy, it's, it's just such a grip on them. How do we break that grip to get them to support you? Oh, we don't have to. Bill de Blasio's done that already. Yeah, my <laughs> goodness, like isn't that true? They don't like him. He, he's the best. He's the he's the gift that keeps on giving. I've talked to yeah. unions. They're gonna, you know, they it's it's still early for those type of endorsements. But we are having talks. I'm meeting with those uh, members of those the key the, the leaders of those unions, particularly the police and the firemen. And uh, you know, listen, if they, those are the political insider stuff. But for your audience, for the people who are listening right now, honestly, if they would just go to my website right now and donate five dollars i mean mm. you say five dollars come on michael this is new york you need millions no i need people to pay attention i need people to pay attention i mm. honestly need people to just to pay attention and do something nobody can do it all but if we all do something some people can give more that's great i'm i'm not a a wealthy wealthy man okay i have given away much more than I've ever earned. And that's the truth. You know, mm-hmm. or not given away much more than I've earned, but I've given much more than than 10% or 20% of my income. Okay? And that's that's been because of my faith commitment and so forth and so on. So I, you know, we we've we've put in as much as we can and I'm just, you know, Sean, I'm just keeping it real, you know. If people want to make a difference, go to our website right now and make a difference they can make their statement you say well i wish i could vote for you you can you can help me get another vote mm-hmm. okay because the every dollar that we're raising is going for voter acquisition we don't have high priced or high paid consultants we're not doing you know i'm not riding around you know we're not we're not doing those things this is a grassroots campaign that we are reaching thousands and thousands of voters every day and we need help. We need the support. We need the momentum. And, and you know, so when, when you ask the question, what can we do? Everybody can do something. Mm. Amen. Amen. That is for sure. So, uh, Kay Carl, what have you to contribute here? I know you're a thinking man and you don't ever sit idle. Uh, what have you to contribute here as far as what can be done? What can, what can our collective audience uh, do we want to give the five dollars? I'm going to go over there now and do that. Sure, um, sure. But 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 what else from from your perspective as the leader of the Frederick Douglass Republicans? What uh what can be done here? Well, I, I want to start off with just ended on it is is that get behind something that works. Support a conservative candidate has a chance to win to defeat. The progressive agenda, and that only message that works that unifies America uh, is the FDR, the Frederick Douglass Republican message, and that's what Michael Fault was all about. And so, I, I like something called the High Five campaign. Hey, five dollars a person, High Five campaign, and support them because it's going to take some money to help get the message out there. It, it, it's working. It's a strong message. And it's a powerful message. It is a message that gets people who don't normally vote Republican to vote Republican. It's the only right. message out there that does that. But it takes money to do that. So that's oh, I agree. I want to start in here, right there. Well, and the thing is, is, is uh, what Michael brought up is, look, I, I don't, you know, and I'm sure you'd take, you would, you would take five thousand dollars if somebody had an extra five thousand dollars to, to plug in, um, obviously. But, but at the same time. Five dollars. A lot of people won't give because they say, "Well, I don't have big money." 
Or like you said, you know, I don't have uh, not only do I not have big money, I'm, I don't live in New York City. But but that's inconsequential. The, the, the little drips, the little drips add up to a flood. If there's enough little drips, it'll add up to a flood. And those people that are, are dripping that uh, that five dollars here or there whenever they can, uh, those are also the same people that are telling folks saying, hey, you know what? Let me just say uh, I, I'm involved in something here. I'm involved in right. something, and, and I think you ought to know about it. I, I want to tell you about it. And and so then they tell their friends. And if you have $10,005 gifts, uh, and, and I call it sowing a seed, sowing an investment in their future, um, you have those same 10,000 people are giving the speech of the Frederick Douglass Republican. Right. They're doing that. And I think that's tremendous. I think, boy, when you do that, uh, that's a huge thing. It's a beautiful, huge thing that has to be done over and over and over. So what's next for you? <laughs> Excuse me. You're, you're working. Uh, and then uh, this is um, Jerry has some great suggestions here. Churches, especially the Hillsong Church uh, in New York, that, that humongous church. But uh, Brooklyn Tab, have you been to Brooklyn Tab and some of the other churches? To, to yes, gain some support churches, there. Churches are reluctant. Churches are very reluctant to bring in a quote-unquote politician. Even though I'm a pastor, I'm, I'm speaking at several churches over there. I'm actually speaking at some synagogues, believe it or not. Um, and so I'm doing that. Uh, but to be honest with you, as one would think, okay, I'm sure the church is going to get behind this guy because he's a minister, and they're going to help him. No, not so. Not yeah. so. It's 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 very difficult, but it's okay. I'm okay. I'm not mad at anybody, but understand every person that's saying, "Hey, can you reach?" If 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 you if anybody listening were to go to their uh, their social group, whatever that social group is, okay, and say, "Why don't you support Michael Faulkner?" Can we do a $5 or $10 campaign for Michael Faulkner and say, hey, we're going to give him $5 a week for the next 10 weeks or for the next, you know, whatever, you know? Right. Kay calls right, do the high five campaign. Do you know what that will do? That kind of momentum, but we've got to do it now. I was, right. I ran for, for Congress against Charlie Rangel in 2010, and I went on the Sean Hannity show and you know, Sean is uh, <laughs> Sean's a wild man. I love Sean Hannity. But he, he started with, you know, he said, hey, look, we need to get behind Michael's campaign, blah, 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 blah. Within 30 minutes, we had an avalanche of resources, okay, to help us. This is, is, is so important. Every person that's working with this campaign now, most of are all volunteers, it's it's incredible what we've been able to do, and our opponent in the Republican has spent outspent us ten to one, and we're still ahead in the polls. See, hmm. that's the whole thing. Conservatives need to understand we're winning. We're not just uh, you know just a good idea. We're not just the ideologue. We're winning. We're ahead in the polls. But we've got to do it now, and I need everybody listening to get off your blessed assurance. And get and get to the 
you know, or they can call, uh, you know, our uh, now call in. We we don't have the mechanism to take donations over the phone. We can't do that, but we can. You know, our website is up, is running. Uh, but the, you know, go to our our website and and they can absolutely get in touch with us. That that helps a lot. And we're going to be bringing K. Carl up because listen, in in the housing projects where we go, I want to get K. Carl in there and get him talking to those young people about Frederick Douglass Republican principles. It's going to work. We can start a grant, but this is not about regular, everyday Republicanism, but Frederick Douglass Republicanism. It's a difference Mm. because you have to have an ethnic spin on it and the roots of, of real freedom to get people to understand the Democrats have not supported your real freedom. Real freedom is when you can make a choice and you can, you know, choose to go into a field because that's what you you feel called to do or you want to do, not because somebody told you that there's a program that's going to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Even if mm-hmm. there's not a program to make that happen, we still want to be able to allow that to happen. No doubt about it. Well, I tell you what, I've appreciated both of you. Uh, let me let me put out the. I'm gonna let's see. Let's do this. Uh, Faulkner Falk for New York.com. Faulkner for New York.com. There we go. We're sending that out to our audience. Um, and so, you know, I, listen, I implore you folks, you, you say I don't live there. So what do I care? But do you visit there? And do you know a lot of the money that, uh, that you make goes to taxes, but the money that you make doesn't just go to taxes where you live. It goes to supporting places not like New York. A lot of money goes there, and a lot of money goes to California. Uh, and you know, we don't we don't agree on much there uh, that's going on in California for sure, and certainly for New York City, the same. Uh, there's there's just a lot that we don't agree on. But you know what? We can we can make a stance. You've heard he's ahead in the polls. When is the election? It's in November. So, folks, you say, well, that's a long time away. I will wait. Uh, I will wait and see how it goes. Um, I, I have to tell you, please don't wait to do that. And, and I'll tell you why. Because do you understand that, that if you if you wait, there's a thousand things that are going to come along and you're going to say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to do it right now. And you forget. It's the same thing I tell people about salvation. I said, when, when, when God touches your heart, and you say, you know, I need to do something about my eternal condition here. Uh, is and I hate to use such a simple illustration, but you don't buy your fire insurance when the first spark hits. You you buy your fire insurance long before. And folks in New York, if what if what if we had a conservative in the office of mayor in one of the greatest cities in the world, New York City? What if we had a man of great faith there? great vision and but also the the knowledge on how to make it happen not just platitudinal uh you know high-minded speech but how to make it happen how to make it really happen what if how do you think that would change the the cities around them what if new york became a great place to do business again your companies that you work for it opens up a whole new uh, venue for them. New York is extreme, especially New York City, extremely difficult to work to do work in because of the prohibitive policies. 
but also the crime. I know a lot of guys who say, hey, I could make a lot of money in New York. Uh, my cousin told me a story the other day. He was in the city of Philadelphia, not radically different from New York. And uh, he was doing some work in there for one of his clients and a bunch of contractors were there working in this home. And there was copper, copper tubing uh, down, you know, and it was hidden best they could until they're ready to use it. Somebody left the gate open and, uh, you know, a crackhead or somebody came along and they picked them up 20 foot long poles, one, one pile on. And he said, this guy was super skinny and he doesn't know how he even lifted it up. But, and he's walking and, and my cousin opens the window, say, hey, that doesn't belong to you. And he just turns and looks up and says, Hey, thanks a lot, buddy. And he keeps walking. And, you know, he was going to go after him. And the other guy said, why, you know, they'll just get stolen again. That's how it works there. There's so many, but what, but what if that was cleaned up? And what if, what if, uh, let's just say 20% of families in New York city got healed. You know, what if they, what if they understood the values of Frederick Douglass Republicans and, and family, true family values, neighborhoods get healed. Minds get unshackled. You know, the possibilities, and, and when that happens, when when 20% of a city changes the size of New York City, my goodness, folks, that has resonation, it resonates all around the world. So go to Faulkner, New York, uh, faulknerfornewyork.com, and do what you can. Do what you can. Uh, and if it's $5, it's $5, and, and, and that'll go a long way. But you got to start now. You can't wait, because you'll forget. There'll be other things that come along, and um, and so let's you know, let, let's commit to this. Let's, let's make this happen because I, I think it's very much worth it. Very, very much worth it. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Michael, and of course, K Carl, it's always such an honor to have you on. Uh, but Michael, I'll tell you what, it has, it has been a pleasure. I know you have about 5,000 things to do and, and I respect that. And we certainly won't, don't want to slow you down from the mission. We want to help you any way that we can. And so, uh, I do have some groups that I'm involved in, that, that might actually be able to provide you some some great help, uh, some folks that are actors and and directors and and things of that nature. Really, really great minds, great conservative minds, in uh, that live in uh, they live in uh, on Manhattan. But um, you know, certainly I know that they'd, they'd be willing to help. So I've sent out a, just sent out a message to them to get them plugged in. And so we'll do whatever we can for you there. Lord knows we we need uh, a, a good Frederick. Doug, listen, folks, can you imagine, can you imagine if a Frederick Douglass Republican holds the highest office in New York? Let's face it, governor is one thing, but if you're the mayor of New York City, that's just something else entirely. And what if we had a Frederick Douglass Republican sitting up there in that office, out among the people, doing the hard work of rebuilding our country one city at a time? Now, that's that's powerful. That's powerful stuff. You got to get plugged it's in. Gonna gentlemen, thank you. It's going to happen. Amen. Amen. I'll help you any way I can. You let me know. Listen, gentlemen, thank you so much. It's an honor to be your friends and, and certainly, um, certainly let us know however we can help you. God bless you. And thank you for coming on. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. So there you have it, folks. Um, that's awesome. Right there. That's awesome sauce. As my good friend, uh, Mark Herr of Center for Self-Governance says, that's awesome sauce. And so we've got to get, we've got to get plugged in folks, even if it's only $5, even if you only do it once, uh, but tell as many people as you can. It, we, we're not going to concede. 
New York City. We're not. The more listen, we keep doing it. If the, if they know we're not going to fight, they they won't spend any money. They won't try. If they know we're not going to fight, they won't engage us. They won't do it. That's reality, my friends. That's reality. And New York City, look, I don't put anything out of reach. I really don't. Maybe that's my faith. I don't know. Uh, maybe you think I'm silly, but I don't. I've seen, I've seen organizations like the Frederick Douglass Republicans, and I've seen organizations like the Center for Self-Government. I've seen what they can do, and it's absolutely stunning. It's absolutely stunning what they can do when you don't think there's any chance you get a win. Did you think Donald Trump would win? How many of you woke up on Sunday? You went to bed. You said, man, there's no way. It's not going to happen. And then you woke up and you said, oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, and you just praised God and and raised your hands and praise and said, I, I can't believe it. This is a miracle. You know. Stop believing small things. Stop believing for small things. It's 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 okay to believe in small things, but it's those small things. It look you build a building with brick after brick after brick. Individually, the brick is small, but if it's properly placed, expertly, and and there's no better mason than God. No better mason than God. And so, if that brick is properly placed among thousands of other bricks, you've got a structure that'll stand the test of time, hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. So let me just really quick talk about. I brought up the taxes, and and uh, it was brought to my attention something somebody said. Uh, if Rachel Maddow has acquired Trump's taxes, I wonder if she could also get her hands on Obama's sealed college records and Hillary's deleted emails. Now that's that's right to the point. Now, isn't it? That's right to the point. And I and I I'm just going to say. That, that's funny, isn't it? And it's funny. We can, you know, we can acknowledge that things are funny. That is funny, but it's not just funny. It's also true. So as we look at that statement, we kind of laugh that off a little bit, but we've got to take that somewhat seriously. We've got to apply that same filter. We've got to apply it. We can't, we cannot just blithely go, ah, oh, that's funny and, and move on. We've got to put pressure on the left. And you say, well, I don't care anything for, her. I don't watch that woman's show. Uh, it's a stupid show. It's a dumb, dumb show. And she may have a PhD, but it must be in stupidity because I can't, I can't watch her show for very long, very short on fact and very big on platitudes and agenda. And so for me, you know, I, I look at that and I say, fill up her, her Twitter feed. Fill it up. Be kind, but be direct. Some people say, well, you all the time talking about be kind, but be direct. And But then you're talking about throat punching people. And listen, when you're in a battle, you better be in the battle to win. You're in a battle. You better be, you better be in it to win it. Uh, you know, we have three more Jewish community centers hit with bomb threats. We have... Um, They've always been in the crosshairs, folks, smallest countries in the world, and yet they're in the crosshairs. They're all their neighbors hate them. And and are we going to stand with them? Are we going to, you know, or are we going to, well, you know, what are you going to do? That's their battle to, no, because you know who they're going to come after? Christians. They're next. It happens in this country. It happens in this country all the time. And we just kind of go, well, you know, dumb kids or eh, poor guy. You've got to fight fire with fire. You've got to get in it to win it. You know, it's it's a gritty thing. 
It is a very, very gritty, tough thing. We're either in, in it to win it or not. We're, we're either talking about it or we're not. That's why five bucks. You know, I, and, and my publicist says this. Obviously, they don't work for free. Uh, but my publicist says this all the time. He says, look, man, you've got to monetize what you do. You, you talk to this m- number of people every single week. My goodness. You know, a, uh, the ox is deserving. Uh, we're treading out the grain. You, you deserve to eat. The, the point of all this is I, I don't ask enough. Basically, the, uh, the, the publicist says you don't ask enough for people to hit your donation page. Well, I'm asking you now, if you're not going to hit mine, hit his, faulknerfornewyork.com. I see the vision. I absolutely see the vision of a Frederick, Frederick Douglass Republican stunning the world. Do you want to be a part of that? I do. And many uh, those of you who have listened to this show so faithfully, and I thank you so much for it, uh, both live and, and the re- we have a huge replay audience. Um, I've got to say, I thank you so much for it. But those of you who listen, you know, Trump, President Trump was not my original guy, not by a long shot. But then as time went on, I start to see things and I say, whoa, wait a second now. Wait a second. Maybe God is raising this person up. Maybe this is the person up. That, that want to be raised. Look, David, he was eloquent, but he was dirty. He was eloquent, but he was dirty. And he got it done. Even as a little kid, five smooth stones. Five smooth stones. Folks, sometimes you got to get in it to win it. And we haven't been in it. In the political process, I heard a lot of conservatives say, well, now that President Trump has won, we can kick back a little bit. We can rest a little bit. Whew, it'll feel good to take a little breather, right? It'll feel good. And I, and I got on this radio and every speech I ever gave since I said, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. You know, that's why I, never Trumpers hashtag never Trump. Listen, I find you on my page. I delete you. No offense, no personal affrontery, but I see people still on there, uh, making fun of president Trump making fun. Well, when's he going to tell the truth? When somebody take his Twitter, look, stop arguing in an argument that's been settled. Stop. Ar- it's over. Find a new argument. But don't undermine the president and the administration because our job as conservatives, whether you're and I can't more highly recommend, I consider myself a Frederick Douglass Republican. Fact of the matter is, is if you start working against the good of what we're trying to accomplish, then you're the enemy. I don't care if you have an R after your name or not. You're the enemy. So I I clear out a whole lot of room. Uh, We generally have between 900 and 2,000 people. Uh, on the waiting list to join our page. Uh, I do um, very much want to maintain my personal page uh, and, and blend that with my public page. You can click on like if, if I'm, you know, I just deleted 380 some people, uh, never Trumpers. I'm sorry. The time for that is over. That, that's over. You got to get in the fight. You can't, you can't be on our side undermining what we're trying to do because not everything he's trying to do is wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not everything he's trying to do is wrong. It it has absolutely got to be. It has got to be. Got to be. It's got to be done. Look, here we are. We're here. We're here. We're in it. History is becoming history second by second. So, so 
get involved, get plugged in. Don't sit there. And, and this is why I delete them. I don't think there's any talking to uh, hardcore never Trumpers because, and I was never a never Trumper. I was, I prefer not to be, I, you know, Cruz was my guy. Uh, but you know what? He didn't win. He did not win. The reality is he didn't win. Listen, the people on the left and there are people on the right who are working to undermine the presidency of the United States of America. They are working to, and they're, they're doing this with, uh, with president Trump and, and they're trying to see if there's a way we could get Mike Pence, who's a good man, uh, to get him some to get Trump out and get Pence in. Cause they think the left thinks that he's pliable. It's lunacy. It's insane, but it's true. You can't argue with insanity. You can't, you have to accept sanity, insanity for what it is. You can't fight insanity by just working with it. You've got to fight it. Now, my good friend, Dave Perkins, you talk about uh, the, the, the stakes here. Now, I don't have health insurance, but I'm going to talk about health insurance. And you say, come on, why in the world don't you have health insurance? I, don't, I had health insurance. And those of you know about my crash, you know I was permanently disabled as a result of that. If anybody needs ongoing expert medical care, it's me. And uh, I lost it. I had it and I lost it. Why? Because my carrier, the one that would carry me, would cover me, left the state the state in which I live, they're out, but bye, but bye. I lost my health insurance. You say, well, go over there and get you some, uh, Obamacare. Go get you some Obamacare. Come on. You can get that. Sure. I can for just me, $3,800 a month, $1,400, uh, $14,000 deductible. You understand having a healthcare card and actually having insurance impossible. It's impossible. That's comparing apples and aardvarks, folks. Apples and aardvarks. They both, they couldn't be more separate. Couldn't be more distinctly different. The president and, and the people that I trust that stand out there and say, hey, look, it's, that's all well and good to have coverage, to have a coverage card and to say, for, for us to say you have coverage. But if it takes you $14,000 before you ever get a penny of coverage, newsflash. That won't preach. That won't fly. You don't have help. You have a card. You have a little plastic card. That's it. Those are the facts. So my good friend, Dave Perkins, one of the smartest people I've ever known in my life uh, and a great, great friend, while half the country, this is what he writes, while half the country whines about not getting free or subsidized health insurance, it wouldn't hurt to remind you that health insurance, like any insurance, is not the product itself. Health insurance isn't health or health care. It is a mitigator of mitigator for financial risk. He goes on to say, is it a financial product, not a medical one? Now, why am I bringing this up? Look, you know, I'm not bitter about losing my health insurance coverage, even though me not having health insurance coverage means I don't get taken care of. I'll likely die of something stupid, you know, something taking five minutes to fix, but I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I just, it's, it's reality folks. I'm not lamenting my life. God's been very good, better, far better to me than I deserve. Look, I know me and God knows me better. I guarantee you, he knows me way better than even I do. And he knows I don't deserve one more day on this earth. That's a fact. And I know it too, but health insurance, it's a financial product, not a medical one. It is the exchange of small regular payments for the possibility that large Unexpected payments might come due. The insurance company takes responsibility for an agreed upon amount of the possible large payments in return for the small regular payments to it. 
It bets that you will pay it. You will pay it more than it pays you over the long term. This is my buddy, Dave Perkins. There is a risk and uncertainty of the large payments, which they balance against the certainty of small ones. That's what this is called is the law of large numbers. The law of large numbers. My good friend, Chris Cahalan, uh, used to be, he's battling pancreas cancer. Pray for him. Chris Cahalan in Minnesota and all the people that are supporting him and encouraging him. Uh, but, but, you know, he was, he was a, um, an actuary, very difficult job. He was an actuary and the law of large numbers comes into play. Now they refine it specifically. So the insurance company can make money. It's a business that has to make money. So this, this, you know, if we have enough people who are, uh, you know, paying their payments on the regular and they, you know, they're, they're, they pay and they don't get sick and they don't use it. Well, that, that's kind of a little bit of a win, but if they were the only ones, that'd be one thing, but insurance companies pay out gazillions of dollars. Look, we're not going to argue the point that insurance and healthcare costs way too much. It costs way too much. It's insane that you can't use a company that writes across, across state lines. It's ridiculous. The insurance, look, find out who your insurance commissioner is in your state and call them and set up an appointment. Go sit down with them and say, explain to me how you legislate or, or uh, regulate insurance companies in my state. Tell me what you do. Tell me how you do it. You'll be stunned. You will be absolutely stunned. It's, it's the most asinine, ridiculous thing. Ask them, hey, if I live in, uh, in uh, New York, how come I can't get insurance in Connecticut? Why can't I get Connecticut health insurance? Ask them. It, their answer is insane. It's insane. Well, the laws are very complicated. Really? Because I thought car insurance and homeowners insurance, that's very complicated too. Don't you think? Don't you think? I think so. I sure I do. But you bet it's going to pay you more than uh, the law of large numbers over the long term. You're going to pay more in. That's the hope that they get. They're really smart about who they insure, the class of people that they insure. Now, class of people, I'm not referring to white, black, or poor, or rich. I'm referring to people who take care of themselves and people who do not. Let's be honest. People don't take care of themselves. They don't. They don't eat the right things. They gain weight. Uh, they, they, they eat terrible things. I don't say they eat the right. They, they eat terrible things. Terrible. Once in a while, no big deal. All the time, real big deal. Then they live a life that's it's just nuts. They drive like crazy people. Uh, they just don't take care of themselves or their lives. Their values are way out of balance. So, the, so this uncertainty that the large payments are going to outweigh the certainty of the small ones. This is what pre-existing conditions for all their misery are not on the table for actual insurance. Could you buy car insurance after the car is wrecked to pay for its repair? No, you couldn't. Could you buy homeowner's insurance while your home was already on fire? This is my buddy, Dave, uh, Dave Perkins. Follow him on Facebook. The wreck, the fire are no longer risks. So insurance isn't what you're asking for. It's the same with pre-existing conditions, folks. You're not asking for insurance. You are asking for someone else to pay your certain medical bills. Socialism. Now I'm getting messages right now from people and I love you. You're sweet. You folks are, are really awesome, but I got to tell you, um, folks need to, folks really need to stop sending me messages about the health share, the Christian, uh, things I've tried all of them, no offense to them. And I understand why they can't, they say, you know, we'd love to bring you on. We'd love to help you, but we can't, <coughs> you're not a good risk. You know, those MediShare ones, Christian organizations, most of them. 
I have lots of friends on them, been on, been there for 20 years. They love it. They love it. So I tried and I couldn't get it. And some folks say, well, they're supposed to be Christian organizations. Why won't they do that? Why won't they do it? That's just not Christian. No, they're in a business too. They're not insurance. So everybody pulls their money in these things. I recommend them uh, bigly, as our president says. I do. I recommend it. Great idea. While you're young and healthy, go ahead and get that. You pay your payment every month. Uh, and then, and then you know, they work, some work different ways, but they're people helping out people, just like, you know, the Acts Church. The Acts Church, the church in Acts, the, the biblical book of Acts, you know, that's, that's how it's to be done. Government doesn't have any belonging in there. I know I'm not a good risk for them. It's, it'd be unfair for everybody to share the burden for me. It's not fair. No, the car crash was not my fault. You're absolutely right. It wasn't my fault. But I cannot expect an organization to pay charity for me. It's just not going to happen. I do ask if folks would be willing to help underwrite this ministry. I love that. I like to get paid when I go give speeches. But I give more, far more speeches for free out of the goodness of my heart. And some are far away. Because I say, if you can't afford it, I, I don't want you to miss out. Newsflash. I'm the one that misses out. My family misses out. You can't buy food and pay your, your mortgage with good intentions. Well, we really love having you. Thank you. You know, it, it just doesn't pay it. I can only do so much of that. But see, this is socialism. My buddy Dave, you know, points out very clear. This is socialism. Somebody else pay your social, your, your medical bills. That's socialism. That's not risk. That's certainty. Insurance mitigates risk. The only certainty is your premium payments. If you bring a certain cost to them because of a pre-existing condition, they're forced to cover it by charging you a premium similar to your certain cost, or else they wouldn't sell you insurance. Look, insurance is a risk mitigator. Stage four cancer is not a risk. It's a certainty. It's medical bills that need paying now. Insurance doesn't do the certainty. Only Marxism does that. My buddy Dave goes on to say, Dave Perkins, the bet the insurance company makes is made based on actuarial tables. Remember I told you about my buddy that was an actuary, Chris, Chris Cahalan, pray for him. He's fighting, fighting, fighting. Great man of faith, great family guy, fighting pancreas cancer. They're trying another chemo. I think they started on Monday. The bet the insurance company makes is based on actuarial tables, which are just a mathematical record of how everyone is done in terms of health costs and how much at what age, etc. they charge enough to make a profit over the long term. Now, they can do that because the actuary tables are reality and very good predictive tools. They give predictability to the risk. The company might lose millions of dollars on one person and then make millions of dollars on other people who don't get sick or injured, but in the end, they make a profit or go out of business. When they are ordered by government, as what happened with uh, Obamacare, the hashtag affordable, uh, affordable Care Act, by government to do things that the actuarial table say they shouldn't, like accept customers, customers with pre-existing conditions, they absolutely must raise their rates or go out of business because their business is based on literally hundreds of years of math. They cannot survive if they are ordered to go against the math. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. This is Sean talking. This is the Ninja Pastor talking. I'm not mad at insurance companies for not wanting to cover me. Here's what I'm mad at. I paid my insurance for years and, and didn't use it. I get in my car crash, no fault of my own. I got, got hit head on by a car going 92 miles per hour. I went from 92, I went from 51 miles per hour. That's how fast I was going to zero and seven feet. 
Seven, that was my deceleration time, seven feet. 51 miles, I'm telling you right now, it's unsurvivable. So here's the thing, my friends. That wasn't my fault. I didn't, I didn't cause that. I wasn't driving recklessly. Nothing, none of it. It was the guy in the other car. He had been, he hit the, the uh, median going 109. It's all his doing. He's not paying my health insurance. He's not paying my medical bills. He's not paying for therapy. He's not paying for any of that stuff. He's a 19-year-old kid, didn't care. In a borrowed car with state minimum insurance. People say, well, why didn't you have your insurance pay? Hey, in my state, after a year, no matter how valid your your your, uh, your claim is, paying, and they make you take them to court. And 75% of the people uh, that they stop paying the claims on, they say, well, maybe I don't need coverage so much. Maybe I don't need therapy two, three days a week. Maybe I just do it just the one. You understand what I'm saying here? This is reality. And I'm not, I'm not, I, the insurance company should have paid. They absolutely should have paid. They should never have stopped paying. That's a policy that, that I think is egregious. It's disgusting and it's wrong. But you know what? It's what they do. And our insurance commissioner's office allows them to do it. They allow them to do it. The courts allow them to do it. So here's the thing. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at the insurance company. They should have done the right thing, but they didn't. But you know what? Now, if I go to a company, now the company that I had and had paid for many, many years should have paid. Absolutely. But now if, I can't go to another company and say, hey, you should pay this this bill for me. You should pay the, the, the tens of thousands of dollars it's going to cost to take care of me for the rest of my life, every year for the rest of my life. Hey, you should pay this. I wasn't their client. When this happened, I wasn't their policyholder. And you know, in Obamacare, well, let me go back to what my good buddy Dave has to say. They can't really overcharge you, not in the long term, because there's competition. Other companies who can lower their rates and draw away your customers. There is downward pressure on rates because of competition, except some people are going out of business now under Obamacare, and others are getting out of the exchanges because they would go out of business if they stayed in. So, the downward pressure on pricing is disappearing. Obama's pipe dream, or lie, because he knew it was a lie, about cutting the annual cost by an average of $2,500 per household is and always was insane. Remember what my cost is for, for Obamacare would be $3,800 a month, which I don't have, with a $14,000 deductible, which I definitely don't have. What Obama planned to unleash on us was always going to increase the rates of those who pay. Why? It orders that everyone buy from a very small number of choices, each of which contains options you have to pay for, but probably don't want. Now, he is a 46-year-old male. He says, as a, uh, I'm sorry, 56-year-old male, I don't want pregnancy protection, for example. But Obamacare orders that every man like him and like me pay for it. It is legally eliminated. It has legally eliminated the options of very high deductible catastrophic insurance, where premiums are low because most ordinary doctor visits aren't submitted as paid claims. By the way, I don't have any problem with that. That's kind of what I had before. That was a favorite policy of laborers with families able to go to doctors for cash to get their kids treated for colds and such, and only wanting needing protection against the huge unexpected bills. And President Barack Hussein Obama said no. He ordered subsidies to pay for these more expensive premiums of the better policies he thought the laborers deserved but couldn't afford because of racism, bias, prejudice, etc. He felt that we productive people were holding the lower classes back because we didn't like them. And so he ordered us to pay for their 
insurance. Simultaneously taking from them the insurance they wanted and taking from us the insurance we wanted. And I would even add had. If you like your insurance, you can keep your insurance. You know what? He lied. 85% of Americans said they liked their health care system as it was prior to the passing of Obamacare. 85% isn't the 1%, folks. It's almost everybody. Perkins goes on to say, by folding in racism, prejudice, and bias to the long-working tried-and-true method of actuarial table analysis, he has altered insurance from a financial instrument of risk mitigation to a social instrument of Marxist redistribution. Of course, the cost has gone up, and it will continue to. Of course, some companies are failing, and others are fleeing Obamacare. Of course, it's collapsing. I would add, because it was designed all the way from the beginning to fail. He lists A and B. A, it's Marxism and will never work, and B, they never intended it to work. They built it to destroy the industry so that they can come in and say, we're sorry, we didn't want to do this, but the free market hasn't worked, so now we introduce all government all the time, health insurance, pay your premiums to us and see our doctors and let our panels of experts decide your medical care, and finally, you don't have to be at the mercy of the market. This is what single payer is, folks. They want single payer, universal health care, government in charge of it all. Obama said so as far back as 2007. And the recordings are out there. And my buddy Dave has some of them. He spoke to unions and other groups and declared, we can't do it right away. It might take 15 or 20 years to get America away from job-related insurance, but we'll get it done in time. Obamacare, if left in place, will result in British or Canadian-style national health care after a certain number of years, and it's already been more than six. Friends, this was its purpose. Its purpose was to destroy the system and replace it with government. Chaos, then tyranny. Now, do you understand what, what Dave Perkins and what I am trying to explain to you here? Is this, this has, now it's one-sixth of the uh, American economy. Understand this isn't a small thing. And look, it personally impacts me. Absolutely, it impacts me because I just told you, I desperately need medical care. I desperately need it. Now, I take supplements and my good friend um, and, and bioenergymed.com, if I can give you a plug, go to them. My good friend, Dr. Jeffrey Marangel, he has tried so hard to help take care of me. And I have another uh, a new friend that's helping me in the interim when I can't get up to Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um to see Dr. Marangel and Dr. Tracy Hudson. She takes good care of me in, through chiropractic and other means. The fact of the matter is I pay that out of my pocket. doesn't get reimbursed, and that's the best I can do. I'm living the story. And the reality is, is I will probably die from something stupid because I can't afford the care that I should be getting. And other friends, Dr. Bonnie, she helps take care of me. She makes suggestions. If there's a, a used piece of equipment that might benefit me, they, they give me that. They're such, such a blessing, Bonnie and Steve. You know, so many people bless me. I, and I don't lament this to you as though, oh, poor me. I, I'm giving you an example. I'm living it. I am living this. And I can tell you I had coverage before Barack Hussein Obama. And now I don't. And now I don't. Now, let me touch on this really, really quickly. We're running out of time. Women's Day protesters perform an abortion on Virgin Mary. Michael Chapman wrote this article on the 14th. 
uh, as part of International Women's Day, which was March 8th, feminist protesters simulated the bloody abortion of a woman dressed as the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, outside the cathedral in Tucumán, Argentina. The protesters, according to LifeSite News, which reported the incident in uh, English-language press, cheered the fake abortion as symbolically killing patriarchy and forcing heterosexuality. And I'm looking at the picture now, and it is terrible. It's, it's extraordinary. Now, folks, this is the mindset of the people who are behind health insurance. You understand, they, they want to make sure that a woman can receive as many abortions as she'd like and that she can receive health care free of charge. Well, let's just see. It's not health care or abortions free of charge. Somebody's paying it. And, and my good friend Jerry points out uh, Canadians come here all the time to get their health care. It's cheaper for them to pay out of their pocket to fly here, to drive here, than it is to get it in their own country. Don't let anybody tell you that it's a great deal there, that it's wonderful. Now, let me say this, thelogox.com. I'm telling you, it is an awesome, awesome thing. You're going to be seeing commercials and videos I'm going to be putting on my website, theninjapastor.com, putting out on social media. Um, I am partnering with them because it's an all-American, all-veteran company, all-American made, all-American distributed. Uh, company, thelogox.com. They're three-one tool. You buy that tool, even if you only cut wood occasionally, you have a little fireplace or whatever, you might not even have a wood stove. Let me tell you, it is the tool to have, the three-in-one tool, absolutely the tool to have. And if you uh, put in checkout, when you buy the three-in-one tool at thelogox.com, put in there, the Ninja Pastor, under your coupon code, boom, you're going to get a $25 immediate discount. That's substantial. That's substantial. All-American, all-veteran company. Love that. The next thing I want to tell you, I want to remind you of Second Call Defense. Go to The Ninja Pastor, theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com, whichever you choose. This is complete legal protection for armed self-defense. Now, let's say you're a phone call person. You don't like to go on the internet. You don't like to buy on the internet. No problem. I want you to write this number down, 20630. That's 20630. That's that's the number you give them for the Ninja Pastor. You tell them the Ninja Pastor recommended, and you give them this number, 20630. Here's how you can join by phone or get your questions answered, 877-502-3300. That's 877-502-3300, secondcalldefense.org. You can go directly uh, there. Just make sure you give them the coupon code for 20630. That'll get you a month free. Go to my website, make it even easier, theninjapastor.com. Click on the banner at the bottom, the second call defense banner. It will take you directly to them. You tell them the Ninja Pastor sent you, and you will get an immediate one month uh, free. It's it's powerful. I will never be without it. I've carried my gun uh, professionally since 1983. And what I've learned about what happens when you even have a gun, let alone use a gun, is extraordinary. People have lost jobs. People have lost friends, lost neighbors, lost their homes, everything. They've lost everything. So please uh, do not fall prey to the belief, the false belief that your homeowner's insurance or your renter's insurance will take care of you. Do not for a moment believe that a liberal, ultra-liberal, overworked uh, private uh, public defender is going to defend you adequately because they're not. They're just not. So listen, folks, I, I so appreciate you taking the time to listen today. Uh, Faulkner for New York.com realize that this is the real deal. And if we can get uh, Michael Faulkner in 
and get a get a uh, Frederick Douglass Republican into office in in the highest office in New York City, in the greatest cities in the world, folks. I'm telling you, uh, it is a huge thing. It'll change so many things. I want to uh, play you out with a song by my dear friend um, Kay Rivoli of the Rivoli Review, and it's Jesus, the Only Answer by uh, Kay and Ron Rivoli. Um, I feel like it bears at this point in time uh, more than ever. And once you listen to this song, thank you for blessing me with your presence today. Please share the link widely all over social media and otherwise. If you have an email list, share that. Share my website, theninjapastor.com. God bless you. Check Wikipedia But if you're looking for the answer Well, you better look up above Jesus is the answer He's the way to go We are all God's children The Bible tells us so If we want to come together Let's do it on our faith And let's all join hands with Jesus before it is too late Stop the killing in the streets Let's join at Jesus' feet To stop the prejudice Let's turn to the Prince of Peace To take color from our eyes And to help us unify If violence is the cancer Jesus is the answer If violence is the cancer Jesus is the answer You can check it out on Snopes School yourself on all the facts But if you want the real solution Jesus is where it's at Jesus came in love And he died to save our souls Hate is sin from Satan Division is all he knows If you want to claim the victory Stop all this racial hate Let's all join hands at Calvary Put the devil back in his place Stop the killing in the streets Let's join at Jesus' feet To stop the prejudice Let's turn to the Prince of Peace This mess bigger than you and me. 
Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.